Welcome to Talking Giants, boys and girls, presented by John Boy Media. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. Justin, we're less than two weeks away from the draft right now, our first virtual draft. How are you How are you feeling, my man? He licks them with his tongue. I hate your drops. I hate your drops so much. Hey, Bobby Skinner. I'm doing well. I was, I've been binge-watching 24. Were you a fan of 24 when it was on television? Um, no, I, I think I've maybe like watched one episode on accident. On accident. Well, Jack Bauer is such an incredible human being. He's a badass. Well, I mean, he's not an incredible human being. He's done some bad things. But one of the most badass television characters of all time. I've been doing well, just chilling, doing draft prep, getting excited. It doesn't feel like it's two weeks from now. Like, that's a really short amount of time. Justin, I've already been planning out my wardrobe for draft day. It feels close to me. I'm getting excited. It's a little weird. You're planning out your your, your wardrobe? Draft day is awesome, dude. It's almost better than game day. Um, Give us a sneak preview. Give us a quick sneak preview of what you have planned right now. Well, I got the Talking Giants hoodie, of course. I think I might pull out the jeans for it. Uh, I got the I got the new Giants draft hat, um, and I got my my coconut. My coconut is key. It's the draft coconut. That's when I first broke it out. Actually, it was last year for the draft, and it's become a staple of my selfie videos ever since. So I'm pumped. But I do have to say this, Justin, and I need to say this. Lord forgive me because I'm going back to my old ways. You know what I did today? I stole you... toilet paper from a public bathroom. I, I was about I, to say something about toilet paper. So, I thought yeah. I thought that was. The old me was dead and gone, Justin. I remember back being, you know, 20, 20, 21 years old and not being able to afford toilet paper because I was a big dummy. I'm not going to go into detail. And we would literally go to the park and steal the toilet paper. I had to steal toilet paper today, Justin. I can't find it anywhere. You know, formations and personnel. That was the worker at that store that you you stole the toilet paper. It wasn't a store. I didn't steal it from a store. Oh, Oh, well, public. Oh, I'm sorry. I stole it from I'm a sorry. condominium. You know, formations and personnel. What- I had to do a waddle. I had to waddle out because I had it between my legs, and so I got, I got a, I got a roll of toilet paper, and I got another bathroom tomorrow. I'm going to hit and get a toilet. Yeah, roll don't, toilet paper out. don't like, don't like how you posted that on Twitter today. What? Didn't enjoy that. What was wrong with it? You, you posted a picture of you taking toilet paper out of your pants. Nobody wants to see this. It was funny. It was an update on yesterday when I said I had half a to- roll left. Desperate times call for desperate measures, so I, I'll, I'll affirm you in your dangerous endeavors. I'm just saying, I'm back to the old me. Old me I thought the old me was dead and gone, but he's back. Anyways, Justin, on today's episode, we are reviewing the 2015 Dave Gettleman draft class, which we'll get to first. We're doing uh, giant stories, days of our lives, whatever we're calling it. And we are previewing the wide receiver draft class. And then next week, we're going to three episodes a week. Woo, woo, woo. All right, Justin. So why don't we jump right into it, though? Let's talk about this 2015 draft class by Dave Gellman. And let's start at the top like we always do. Shaq Thompson, first round, 25th pick overall. Justin, he finally got over 80% of the snaps in 2019. And he had 109 tackles, 11 for a loss, three sacks. Uh, the Panthers extended him on a four-year, $52 million deal. From what people say, you know, we don't watch every Panthers game, but he was a he's becoming one of the better linebackers in the NFL. I mean, he's got a better contract than Blake Martinez has gotten. I mean, close to what Corey Littleton got almost. So I think starting off at the top, especially with as late as this pick was in the first round, I think this first round pick has to be a success, right? Um are we evaluating guys from when like Dave Gunnelman was in Carolina? He was good while he was there. He just wasn't, like, the guy. I mean, and they also had Luke Keekley, who was, you know, Luke Keekley and Thomas Davis, who were two, like, beasts. All right, true. True. Then why then why are you drafting a linebacker, Dave Gettleman? All right, but anyway. Because you probably thought Thomas – well, Thomas Davis freaking played forever. I mean, Thomas Davis literally played with a broken arm. Yeah, Shaq, Shaq Thompson came to form this year. It's, it's so tough. He was the 25th pick, so – it's tough because you want a guy that you take in the first round. You kind of want him, all right, you know, expecting to perform day one, unrealistic for these rookies. But by the time you're in your third year, you, you want it, second, third year, you want to be performing at somewhat of a high level. 
he's there now. So I guess if we're evaluating extensively, he's there now and he's performing at a high level now. So good pick. Not great because it's taken a while to get the value out of him, but good. All right, Justin, you want to hear the five picks after him? Brashard Perriman, which was just the Ravens just drafting on pure speed alone. Byron Jones, who we, me and you both love. Lakin Tomlinson, who is a guard. I don't know how good he is. Uh, Philip Dorsett was another bad pick by the Colts out of Miami, although I loved it at the time. And then Demarius Randall, who's a pretty good safety for Green Bay. So I could have had Byron Jones. I'm just saying. I know we can't play the what-if game with the draft, but I like Byron Jones. A lot. All right. Next on this list, the 41st overall pick in the second round, wide receiver Devin Funches. Justin, he had 31 catches and 473 yards, five touchdowns in this rookie year. Now, granted, he was supposed to this rookie year was supposed to play a opposite side of Kelvin Benjamin, and then he tore his ACL. His best year was 2017, where he had 79% of the snaps, 63 catches, 840 yards, eight touchdowns. Uh, he's got 21 touchdowns uh, in four years. The Colts gave him a one-year, $13 million contract in 2019. He got injured in the first game, so he only played like half a game. This is like a so-so pick because he was pretty good. He's nothing great. He's, you don't look at him as a number one wide receiver, but he was someone that probably Cam trusted the most on that team once Benjamin was out of there and Steve Smith. I don't know. This is a kind of another one of those like wishy-washy ones. Like obviously the Colts saw town him, and they were they were very slow to spend money. Uh, for the 2019 season, they gave him 13 mil. Convince me one way or the other on this one, Justin. Bobby, what the hell is up with these Panthers wide receivers with such terrible catch rates? 49% his rookie year, 39% the year after that, 56% was his career best catch rate, 55 and then 6, but 2019 he played one game, so we're not even counting that. What What is up? At what point do we blame Cam Newton? I don't know. This is so we if you're if you have any friends who are Panthers fans, you need to hit them up, and then ask them what the heck was going on in Carolina. And we need to look up Cam Newton's completion percentage. We'll do that another day. But neither here nor there. Bobby, I, I say this is a bad pick because 6'4 guy, you already have Kelvin Benjamin, who's a who's a big-bodied wide receiver. Devin Funches, well, first of all, pro football reference nicknames. We're going to go back to that. Funch or not fun fun. <laughs> so bad they're so no bad has ever called him that cam newton's completion percentage kind of sucks 2017 59 percent 2016 53 percent that's Jesus. horrible 2050 percent dang he was only completed he didn't can't even complete 60 percent in the mvp year jeez 59 percent man what's his yards what's his yards per uh yards per attempt maybe the, is that like really high so it makes up for it and well, in 2015, the MVP year, 7.8, 6.9, 6.7, 7.2, 6.4. So not bad. Nothing like spectacular, but not bad. I say Devin Funches is a bad pick because now that we're starting to get a little bit more familiar at what the Panthers roster and what these draft classes have looked like when Dave Gettleman was there, they already had a big body wide receiver. They didn't need another physical big guy who Devin Funches doesn't, there is no part of Devin Funches' game that pops out at you, where it's like, oh, he's really fast. Oh, he's really physical. Nothing really pops out at you. And well, No, he is very physical. Remember the girl said he ran physical routes, and Cam Newton said, that's cute. You said he runs physical routes. I like when they... Oh, that... Do you remember that? That's where Cam got in trouble with that? Yeah. I... Should I pull that up, honestly? Should I pull it up? The grin on his face cracks me up. It's funny to hear a female talk about routes. <laughs> it's funny, but uh, fun is coming along. Man. We don't we, we don't promote <laughs> subtle. We don't promote subtle sexism on this show. We don't. It's, it's, it's so crazy. It's like Cam, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? Anyways, I don't know. I don't know why. It's not. It's just funny because he just has this dumb grin on his face and just says this. Just like, dude, you you lost sponsorships over this. Anyways, it's silly. That's before Cam Newton started typing in a different language. (laughs) Hieroglyphics. Bobby, do you understand my line of thinking on why I say that Devin Funches was a bad pick? Yeah, I'm not saying it was a good pick. 
I'll go. I'll honestly, I'll just, I'll, uh, I'll be a follower on this one. I'll say it's a bad pick too. Um, although he did get thirteen million dollars from the Colts. All right, now no third round pick in the fourth round with the hundred and second overall offensive tackle Darren Williams, Darrell Williams, not Darren Williams. This was a good pick. He started thirty nine of the forty six games he's been available in the last four years. Um, he was second team All Pro in uh, two thousand seventeen. Now he's had injury issues, and I can't. You can't really blame. I've never been like when people say Greg Oden is a bust. I don't believe that because Greg Oden was going to be a beast. He just couldn't stay healthy. So I don't. I don't look at injuries and be like, oh, drafted a guy with injuries. I mean, in, uh, in two thousand nineteen, he got the one year seven million dollar deal, um, coming off of a torn ACL that he had in two thousand eighteen. The Bills just gave him a, a two point two five one million dollar deal or one year deal. He's just his the the thing with him has been injuries, but when he was in and healthy, he was really good. I mean, he was second team All Pro, starting you know thirty nine out of forty six games over the last four years. You get that out of a fourth round pick, and I think you got to be kind of happy with that. Yeah, I guess the injury history. He had a full year in twenty seventeen, but he played thirteen games in twenty sixteen. So for an offensive lineman, it's not terrible. I mean, so. Yeah, I'll, I mean I'll the one year he played the one year he played a full season he was second team all pro. You get you get a guy who can do that in the fourth round and I I think you got to yeah. get that as a good pick, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and it's not like he it's not like he had some like first round name and they just gave it to him. He was a fourth round pick so you got to earn it to do that. Yeah. Um so I'm going good pick with this one. Now the next one is a tricky one with the 169th pick in the 5th round linebacker David Mayo. Our friend David Mayo, our our inside linebacker for the New York Giants. Now he got his first time actually starting was with the Giants in 2019. He had 82 tackles, five tackles for a loss, two sacks. He was a special teams player in Carolina, and he was good at it. The Giants just gave him a three year, 8.4 million dollar deal. Justin, I have been known as a David Mayo detractor and just pointing out that he's not that good, but for a fifth round pick and a depth guy. I'm cool with David Mayo. I think that's where it's the balance. If if you're expecting David Mayo to be a starter, stinks. But as a backup, I think he's as good as a backup you could get in the fifth round. A guy who's playing six years. Um, I I think that's what. Uh, I think you can be happy with that. You're not jumping through the moon, but I think you can be satisfied with that. Yeah, 2015, he had a 47% special team snap share. 2016, 61%, and then every year after that. With this time in Carolina, it's been seventy-one and sixty-seven percent. So, again, behind Luke Keekley, Shaq Thompson, Thomas Davis for a few years too. Yeah. So if you're if you're drafted as a fifth rounder in a position that has a lot of depth on a specific team, and you're making it past your rookie contract, you're clearly doing something right. You know, nobody's expecting a fifth rounder to absolutely take over the world. So. Fun fun fact, this is something that I came across in 2018 with this time in Carolina. 16 games, three games started. 26% missed tackle percentage. So that's not good. But he also had limited opportunity. So, But just throw it out there. Fun stat. It ain't great. All right, and so the last pick of this draft, also a fifth-round pick, five picks later, 174th overall. You might remember him from that 2015 Super Bowl year. Running back Cameron Artis Payne. He's played, he played 32 games. He didn't play 2019. He has 118 career carries for 491 yards, five touchdowns, which is 4.2 yards per carry, Justin. The third time that he's taking a running back in the late round, and I want this to be a reminder. I know I've made jokes about this, but I do want this to be a reminder to all the people who say just get a running back late in, in the draft. We remember the guys that hit, like Philip Lindsay, but no one mentions the 95 out of 100 guys who are picked fourth round or later as running backs who never are good. People don't mention that. So, he, I mean, he's taking the shots on three guys and be like, I know you're going to go, oh, scout better. But people think you just get, like, you're automatically going to get a good running back in the fifth round or later. And it's just, it doesn't happen. Bobby, I will fight you after this show. That's how I'm going to reply to you. Whatever. Whatever. I'm just... <laughs> The more we look at stuff, the more evidence we look at, the more I'm proven correct. So, whatever. All right, so that's this draft class. Justin, quickly, what do you think of it? Uh, it's very it's, bl- it's, it's blah to me. I mean, you get a good player in Shaq Thompson. Funches you don't bring back. And he, you know, he has some good years, but nothing great. 
Darrell Williams, you know, the injuries, um, but he was good when he played. David Mayo never really was like a, a really good producer for Carolina. Artis Payne, he, you know, he had some backup roles when uh, Jonathan Stewart went down. Overall, it's just kind of a blat draft. Yeah, Bobby, if we're talking about like the draft, the draft is where you build your team, you build your team around the draft. But also, um, is it fair? Like literally, so 2015, this is the year the Panthers are going to the Super Bowl, correct? So right. they play a season. So they have a roster that's kind of loaded and are already ready to make that Super Bowl run and go 13 and 3, 12 and 4, whatever record they wound up finishing with. So if you're going to draft on a, on a combination of best player available, which you do towards the latter end of the rounds, which Daryl Williams, good. David Mayo, you know, what is what it is. And I don't mind taking a running back and then him not working out. I don't mind that. And if you're talking about Shaq Thompson and Devin Funches, if the team is already ready to rock and roll and make a Super Bowl run to begin with, I'm not going to really fully criticize, oh, you need to absolutely make sure that you hit with your first two picks because you kind of are drafting off of kind of need. Kind of need with your first and second picks, and then you do best player available later. This is a bad draft class, but you, again, you also have to understand of where the context of where this Panthers roster was. This Panthers roster was already ready to compete in rock and roll. We're not talking about Dave Guttelman missing and having a bad draft class when this team, when the team absolutely needed to have a good draft. You know, one of my bold, uh, my bold, my hot takes going into that 2015 year is that the Panthers were going to be horrible. I predicted they'd lose to the Jags in week one. They did not. They did not lose. All right, Justin, are you ready for giant stories? Cue the music. Golden Tate was playing Monopoly, Call of Duty, and this fake practice golf. The guy stays busy. Leonard Williams was spear crabbing, not fishing. Levine Toilolo was taking videos of people at the grocery store that were wearing raincoats and covering themselves from head to toe. John Halapio, who I think I might need to take off of the list, was playing Sorry, which is another really good board game. Darius Slayton was training at Stone Mountain Park with former second overall pick Greg Robinson. Eric Tomlinson was in like the middle of the, one of the nastiest rainstorms I've ever seen. It was like a hurricane. And two other Giants players did something. But Justin said, I can't bring it up because it'll be mean and petty. Justin, Corona is ruining this segment. We started this segment, and then Corona came and ruined it. But, I mean, anything pique your interest. I mean, this is just this might be the worst week of all of it. Leonard Williams and Levine Toilolo. Yeah. I was laughing at the Levine Toilolo videos. Like, these people were literally wearing raincoats, and it must have been hot, too. He seems to be, I think this may be the second time that he's brought up in the, the Days of Our Giants uh, segment, which that's the name of the segment. Maybe the second time that he's brought in in his short stint of being a giant so far. He seems to have quite the sense of humor on, on uh, social media. Listen, it's some guys do Instagram stories, some guys don't. Golden Tate has Instagram stories every day. Leonard Williams has them all the time because his life is freaking awesome over on the West Coast. Um, Slayton's another Instagram stories guy. He's I, I like Slayton. I want to hang out with Darius Slayton. Eric Tomlinson, I think it was the first time he did one. Um, the rest of them were, were uh, yeah. I mean, there's really nothing. In, I mean, Leonard Williams, we brought up spear fishing last week. This week he was doing spear crabbing. Um, but yeah, King Krabby. And then Toy Lolo making fun of people. And Jalapio, I just, I like Jalapio as a person. So it's hard for me to just hit that unfollow button. Bobby Skinner, John Hilleman. Darius Slayton, all hanging out together, all best bros. I could see it. Slayton and Hillman are friends. Oh, they you are. said They're me very too. Good friends. I thought you were yeah, like you addressing too. me. Yeah, I mean, I've said some not nice things about Hillman, so I don't know. I don't know how that would work. You'll all make fun of each other, though. I think. I think they all get a kick out of it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right, Justin. So that is Giant Stories, Days of Our Giants. Well, you got to put that up to a poll. No, we're not putting it up to a poll because people will vote in favor for you. 
people you don't have any faith in our listeners why don't you let them think you you think our listeners aren't free thinkers you think they're dumb they just follow me no it's not like i don't think our listeners are dumb and i don't and i think our listeners are free thinkers but i just think i'm not confident in my ability to be likable no that's not true you just have these bad ideas and then you blame it on like oh it's it's just your cult it's like, oh, I, 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 I picked a, a list of lawyers. They just picking this because he is like, nah, because your list kind of sucks, dude. Bart Oates is wonderful. You don't slam. I couldn't even Bart remember Oates. his name. I just said a lawyer because I literally couldn't even remember the names of the guys on your list. You don't know who Bart Oates is. You don't know who Sean Landetta is. God, Bobby Skinner. Yeah, that's a little foreshadowing to the second half of the show, which we already recorded. All right, let's get to that, though. Our wide receiver preview. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right, let's take a look at some of these wide receivers. Justin, I'm looking at some more bigger, big-bodied guys. Not all. But I wanted to look at one, you know, Chase Claypool, Michael Pittman Jr. But I think out of the big-bodied guys I like the most, it's Brian Edwards out of South Carolina. Shout out Anthony Tomano for telling me to take a look at him he's six foot three 212 pounds now he broke his foot prepping for the combine so he doesn't have any combine testing and that stinks but so last year in 10 games he had 71 catches 816 yards and six touchdowns and i feel like this guy is perfect for the air coriel offense that jason garrett runs it gives you that other vertical thread on the outside uh opposite side of slayton he's a good short route runner too like he'll get off press well and he'll he'll get those slants and those curls, and he'll make sure that guy is off him enough to where he can make that catch. Like he'll make a contested slant catch, which is like you don't see that when a, a whole lot when a guy's catching that slant and he's getting bang bang and, and holding on to it. He uses his body to get off people. The scouting report said drops. I didn't see it in the game I watch. Um, but he's got the good speed to get over the top though, which is you know what we need on on a big bodied outside wide receiver so he's got that speed to get over the top i mean he always catches the ball with his hands they use him in motion a lot which is uh something that jason garrett likes to do so i mean don't read into that too much but it's just something that he's comfortable doing you know moving around and not having to you know sit there and just think about his route for 15 seconds i looked at brian edwards as one of the the last guys i looked at and i think out of the guys i looked at he was the one I liked the most. I think he's just the most solid. I'm confident that Brian Edwards will be a good wide receiver. I don't know if he'll ever be great, but I, I think he'll be a good. What do you say to those that criticize his speed and athleticism? He's not he's not a burner, but he got he got past guys in the SEC and was able to get people on those on those athletic routes. Now he's not gonna he's not gonna get thirty yards after the catch. But like I don't need th- that out of my six foot three wide receiver. Yeah, and I guess the the positive thing about Edwards is that he is able to break tackles. He has twenty seven broken tackles over the last two years. So to compensate for a guy who's not going to be a burner, to compensate for a guy who's not going to be uh, particularly fast, if you can break tackles and if you can do something after the catch, that's a good thing. And route running is king, and that's where he stands out to me. Yeah, and in terms of drops, you were talking about drops, uh, 4% uh, drop rate, which is above average. Now, when I say above average, like that's good. Uh, I know that can get a little confusing um, when I say that, but Edwards doesn't necessarily have a drop problem. Right. Bobby and I are doing 12 wide receivers total, six on my end, six on his end. And I kind of split mine up into doing three upper draft guys, not necessarily Judy or CeeDee Lamb, but three upper upper half of the draft guys and then three lower end. So I'm starting off with Justin Jefferson, 6'1", 202 pounds from LSU. Justin Jefferson in 2019, played 15 games, had 111 receptions, 1,540 yards, averaged 13.9 yards per catch, and 18 touchdowns. That's a lot of touchdowns. In my plus-plus category, 78% of his snaps in 2019 came from the slot. He had the most catches and yards out of all wide receivers coming out of the slot this year in the NCAA. He has incredible body control and ball skills for a slot guy. He goes up and gets the ball, does not allow the ball to come into him uh, with one-on-one matchups. He had the highest contested catch rate out of all wide receivers in this year's draft class per pro football focus. He twists, turns, and twirls. You like that alliteration? 
and is super impressive in his ability to do so. In the National Championship semifinal game, he had an out-of-this-world game, 14 catches, 227 yards, and four touchdowns. And in the National Championship game, he had nine catches and over 100 yards. He showed up in the biggest stage, and he performed. In my plus category, he has the ability to break tackles and moves well in the open field. 111 catches, like I said before, but on 134 targets, that's an insane catch rate. A QB's best friend is a guy who can help boost your completion percentage and passer rating, and that is exactly the kind of guy Jefferson is. Him and Joe Burrow had an incredible back-shoulder throw-and-catch connection. Many of Jefferson's big plays are back-shoulder catches, even deep down the field. In my minus category, he wasn't able to get a ton of separation from defenders, hence why I think his his contested catch rate was so high. He clearly has the speed, but I would like to see some more muscle added to his frame. Again, only 202 pounds. Um, This is to prevent bigger cornerbacks from slowing him down at the line of scrimmage. Because he doesn't get a lot of separation, this tells me that he may need to work on his route running a little bit more to get that extra space. Overall, Bobby, I love Jefferson because of the way he produced in one of the best college offenses of all time. He didn't solely benefit from scheme. He made plays, made his quarterback look better, and performed on the biggest stage. It may take him a little bit to adjust to the pro game, but he has a bright future ahead of him. I'll just say he's not even the best wide receiver at LSU, LSU though. Jamar Chase, watch out for him next year. He'll be the top wide receiver. But yeah, I, li- I like Justin Jefferson a lot. The next guy on my list, he's six foot four, two hundred twenty three pounds, and a GM was asking Colin Coward adv- uh, for advice. Not Funhouse, you suck, Funhouse. It's USC wide receiver Michael Pittman Jr. He ran a four five two uh, forty at the combine, had a thirty six and a half inch vertical jump in twenty nineteen. He had a hundred one catches. 1,275 yards and 11 touchdowns, and that was with bad QB play. I think their QB tore their AC, tore his ACL on either the first or the second game of the year. I can't remember, but I do remember I was watching it. He is big, obviously. You know, he's son of Michael Pittman. He, so he's a big dude, but he knows how to use it. I mean, he knows how to track a ball and go up and get it. His catch radius is insane, and it's similar to, you know, Chase Claypool, who we'll, I'll talk about next. But yeah, his catch radius is just nuts, dude. Like, you just throw the ball up, and he goes up and gets it. He makes dudes look like little kids. Now, obviously, the NFL is a different game, but that size and that ball tracking skills translate to the NFL. Um, like I said, he knows how to use the size to advantage. Now, he's not great out of the break, but once he kind of gets into his stride, he gets he gets past people. I mean, you see that with the four five two speed with those long legs. I like Michael Pittman Jr. a lot. If the Giants end up with Michael Pittman Jr. somehow whether it's third round or whatever, I will celebrate that pick. Because, like I said, Brian Edwards, I have confidence that he's going to be a good, like a really good wide receiver. Michael Pittman is the one where it's like, man, he might end up being a freaking star, just like Colin Coward said. Well, that's what we're going off of, huh? Yeah. Colin Coward. Coward gives me my scouting reports, honestly. <laughs> um, did you see any uh, ability to run uh, those comeback routes pretty well? I watched two games, and there wasn't like any like sticking out of it. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, because that's what I'm. That's what I'm. Uh, according according to my sources, you have Colin Coward's your source, and according to my sources, I'm saying that he runs a comeback route well, and that's rare. I have not seen a lot of uh, a lot of guys source? who have looked at. I'm not. I'm not telling you my source. It's it's yeah. top secret Col- stuff. I know Pro Football Focus. Colin Coward's better than Pro Football Focus. Anyways, go ahead. Yeah, but I have massive catch radius as well. I mean, 6'4", 220 pounds, and the ability to move despite being that size, not only does he have the weight to him, but he also has the height, 96th percentile in the 10-yard split. So, I mean, obviously the 4'5", 240-yard dash, it's nothing flashy, but the 10-yard split, if there's something that you're looking for, uh, and that's a 1.51, 96th percentile, that's pretty damn good for a guy that size. So, uh, I'm with you, Bobby. uh, This guy's got all the tools, and also... Five drops on 176 career catchable passes. So that's also pretty darn good as well. Pretty darn reliable. Yes, sir. All right. My next player is Tyler Johnson, 6'2", 200 pounds from the University of Minnesota. In 2019, he played 13 games, had 86 catches for about 1,300 yards. He averaged 15.3 yards per catch and a total of 13 touchdowns. Tyler Johnson, in my plus-plus category, works like a power forward, collecting his rebounds and wins. He mosses dudes. Ball skills are at a premium. He has a good ability to also adjust to the ball in the air. 
Great hands and great route runner. Six drops in 119 attempts. He's recognized as one of this draft class's most refined route runners. In my plus category, he does a good job of working back to his quarterback. We see so many plays made at the pro level by quarterbacks who improvise, and they need a wide receiver who can work their way back to the quarterback so they can get rid of the ball, and Johnston can do that instinctually. He also has solid quickness off the line of scrimmage. Downfield, he plays through contact. Doesn't let that bother his route running, which has been rare with the guys that I've tried to evaluate today. A lot of guys that I've tried to evaluate and I've tried to include on my top six list, they've been bothered by defenders and they've been bothered by contact down the field. That's not something that Johnson is bothered by. In my minus category, he doesn't have the same straight line speed as some of the other top guys, so he can be physical after the catch, but not totally elusive. Overall, Bobby, he is a great route runner. He's a contested catch king and is able to make plays deep down the field. What isn't there to like? There really isn't that much to not like, even though some other scouts will throw out some more negative pieces about him because that's what they are paid to do. This guy is a record breaker at Minnesota. He is a baller and underrated as a late second round wide receiver. He should definitely be higher in my book. I would say he he was fun to watch. I have some other players that I had more fun watching just because of that's just I, I enjoy some other things. But in terms of a guy who surprised me, Tyler Johnson surprised me the most. Yeah, I talked to my Minnesota guy and he says he's just like he's jump ball city. He's like a power forward out there. Next on my list is another jump ball guy from the Midwest. Notre Dame, six foot four, two hundred thirty eight pounds. Chase Claypool, a guy we've talked about a lot because, one, just that size and his highlight tape. But then he impressed at the combine with a 4-4-2-40, a 40-and-a-half-inch vertical jump. Ooh, baby. Last year in 13 games, he had 66 catches, 1,037 yards, and 13 touchdowns. He was a huge playmaker for the Notre Dame offense. It wasn't just a highlight tape. He was a beast for them. He's got the size and speed that translate to 50-50 balls. Like, it's not just, you know, sometimes you see these bigger guys and it's like they don't just go up and just moss people. Claypool does that. He mosses people regularly. Um, and he's a pretty good route runner, too. He's not like, he's not amazing. He's not an Amari Cooper type route runner, but he's a good route runner. And if he catches the ball underneath on a flat route or a drag route, he he can like if he's got space he's gonna make so he's gonna make the most out of it you know what I'm saying he's not like like a deer deer in the headlights he knows what to do once he has the ball in his hands but he just has some nasty like 50 50 balls or catch rate like where he just he'll like you said the twitch t- twist guys I mean he'll just go up twist grab that ball out of the air and come down with it every time so I, I like Chase Claypool a lot and he is an amazing blocker. There's been some talk about him moving the tight end. I don't see it. Leave him at wide receiver. That's what he plays. But he is like, he's not just big. He's actually a really good blocker too. What impresses me the most is, you know, the whole conversation that's surrounding should Claypool go to tight end? Should Claypool go to wide receiver? We said this after the combine, that 10-yard split that he had, it showed that he can get off. It showed that he just, that that fr- that back end speed, he also has the front end speed as well. So that's why I feel like he can stay at wide receiver and be all right. Don't worry about adding an extra 20 pounds and then you transitioning to be a tight end. I think that that'll involve the, that will involve a whole other developmental part of your game. And I don't think that's necessary for Claypool. So six touchdowns, Bobby, when targeted 20 or more yards down the field, and then also six touchdowns in between the zero to nine yard mark. So he's like uh, Golden Tate, man. Those big, those big plays, jump balls. Yeah, and it's With it's rare. Six more like, inches. If we're talking about a tight end, it's rare for tight ends to have like six touchdowns, twenty plus yards down the field. So well, I think he's, he's definitely end, more though. fit as a wide receiver. Yeah, I know that's what I'm saying. He would be a great fit for Daniel Jones because we saw Daniel Jones can just put the ball in like the perfect spots, and. We don't have that big body of wide receiver. Now, Slayton could go up and make those plays. Tate made a lot of those plays, surprisingly enough. But Jones can put that ball where only his receiver can get. And Claypool's kind of the perfect guy for that. I know some people like to shy away from big body wide receivers, and they're just like, oh, like, give me the 5'10 guy who's a, a good route runner, which I'm not saying is wrong. But I like Claypool. And as we've seen in Dave Gettleman's draft history, he kind of likes the big body wide receivers. <laughs> I mean, Calvin Benjamin, Devin Funches, who we talked about earlier. Um, Slayton's not a big body guy, but that was, that was a great pick, but I, I like Chase Claypool. I know there's some people who can't stand him and they think he's a workout warrior, but I, I'm not one of those guys. Um, I, 
I'm all for Chase Claypool. These, out of these first three guys, man, I'd be pumped for any three of them. Yeah, and I th- and I feel like the difference between adding Claypool to the Giants versus Gettleman adding Funchess or Benjamin is that those were in in their intention, those were supposed to be like, oh, this is our new number one guy. Claypool would not be a number one guy, and that's kind of like his best role as of right now as a big body wide receiver. He would be used situationally, um, and he would really be and a weapon for the Giants as opposed to we're solely relying on Claypool. So that would be a lot of fun to watch. So uh, third on my list is Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State, six foot, 205 pounds. In 2019, he played 12 games, 65 catches, around 1,200 yards, averaged 18.3 yards per catch. Wowza, eight touchdowns total. In my plus-plus category, I have explosive and one of this draft class's best deep threats. He averaged 11 yards after the catch in the 93rd percentile in 10-yard split at the combine, which backs up what we saw on tape. He is quick off the line of scrimmage. He has a ton of success as a return man, both as a punt and kick returner. If there's a role where he can contribute right away in, it is right there. In my plus category, he had the eighth highest amount of screen yards in the country. Barely loses speed in and out of breaks as well, or when he has to make adjustments while running routes, he is able to consistently keep his momentum. So that automatically makes him a better route runner if he's able to plant his foot in the ground and have a quick change of direction wherever he may be turning. In my minus category, he has a lack of experience when it comes to contested catches, isn't able to contort his body the same way that a guy like Justin Jefferson is, so his catch frame is limited in that capacity. However, he does have long arms for his height, so he may be, so maybe this aspect of his game can develop a little bit. While his ability catching and executing screens are a positive, it's also a negative when it comes to how he is evaluated as a wide receiver because you want to see a bit more diversity of success when utilizing the route tree. Overall, Ayuk is going to be a playmaker at the pro level. It's not a matter of if, but it's when. It may take a bit of time for him to fully develop as a wide receiver, but he definitely could provide an immediate impact on special teams as a deep threat downfield option and or in the quick intermediate game where he can get yards after the catch and make plays in that regard. And he's from Reno, Nevada, home of the sh- one of the best TV shows of all time, Reno 911. Did you ever watch that show, Justin? Is that one of those basically a spin-off of cops? Yeah, kind of. You never seen like the new like new boot goofing? Genuine ostrich. Three payments. Woo! I'm a cri- I'm a criminal justice maker and I tend not I tend not new to watch goofing. those cops shows. I know you're 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 goofing right now. That's what I'm, you're doing. New boot goofing. All right. <laughs> Next on my list is Jalen Ragor out of TCU, 5'11", 206 pounds. He ran a 4'47 at the Combine, and he had a 42-inch vertical jump. 42 inches. My man can hop. So, in 2018, they had 72 catches, 1,061 yards, and 9 touchdowns. And then in 2019, the, the production dropped off a lot. 43 catches, 611 yards, and 5 touchdowns. So I went and watched the game, two games of his. I watched him against Texas and then Oklahoma State. And honestly, Justin, I wasn't impressed. Then I realized his QB was horrible, like really bad. And I put out a clip on the Talking Giants page today where he just throws it 20. The, the QB throws it like 60 yards, and it's like 15 yards past the wide receiver. Like he was so bad, and he missed him. So when I went and watched his highlight tape, and listen, I'm a big like, hey, don't judge a guy off his highlight tape. But his highlight tape made me a lot more excited for him because it's just disgusting. His passes where he just went up and got it were just ridiculous. The 42-inch vertical shows up on film. And he had the most acrobatic catches. I mean, they they were unbelievable. And he had to do them because his throw, like the QB was so bad. Like his highlight tape is unreal. Go watch it and I'll post it. In fact, I'll be it'll be the I'll post it Friday morning. First it'll be the first wide receiver tweet I post. He's kind of a lazy blocker. So there's some times where it seems like he's not super engaged. But, man, he is he is so freaking talented. Like I said, he goes up and gets up there with the best of them. He's, he's a highlight reel, man. And I don't know uh, how he would fit with us, but, man, he's exciting. I mean, with that 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 vertical jump, and you see it's real deal. It uh, reminds you of a, of, a, of a guy who we're not going to pick three of. Oh, wow. We're not allowed to say his name. Yeah. Well, cl- clearly, especially based off of a Thursday afternoon's uh, Twitter discussion that the Giants <laughs> that the Giants Twitter page started themselves, yeah. But uh, but 
an explosive athlete with ball skills. What what is there not to like? Obviously, the fit with the Giants. He he may even go before our second round pick. He may. You think? It depends how teams evaluate. Let's you know, talk. If, let's if, talk about wide receivers right now as a whole. Now, obviously, it's a very deep wide receiver class, but do you think it's going to be like a, everyone has that mindset, so they're just waiting because because it is a deep wide receiver class, and we end up like having like one wide receiver go in the top fifteen or something like that? Well, it's a good point because people it's, are saying that deep- I don't. I actually don't believe it because then, like, think about GMs. There's like, oh, I want to get this wide receiver, and they go get him. But um, I could see it be. I love a, how you. I, what do you love about me? I love how you asked me a question. I started to answer it, and then you answered it. You answered your own question yourself. Well, yeah. I like <laughs> to give myself dramatic pauses like Colin Coward. F- finish your point. No, that's more like Francesa, but go go on. Don't you dare. Anyways, yeah, no, I I, th- I think that's a theory, but at the end of the day, these guys are like, hey, I want that wide receiver. I'm going to draft him, and they're not going to pass up on him. Like the, the 49ers, like I could see them drafting a wide receiver. There's going to be teams that want wide receivers. Uh, especially teams with young QBs, so I, I don't, I don't think that will happen. But it could, so it'll be interesting. The tackle class is stacked, and the wide receiver class is stacked. It's the edge class that's kind of iffy, and especially after doing our episode earlier this week, I'm like, ugh, you know, I, I, I like guys, but there's not guys that I'm absolutely thrilled with. Like looking at these wide receivers, like holy crap, I, I'm, I'm even thrilled with some of the, with some of the fifth, you know, fourth and fifth round guys that I, that I have on my list, but. It's either going to be one of those, right? Tackles are going to drop, or wide receivers are going to drop. Tackles that's, are going early. That's what I'm thinking. But there's even some, like you know, we're thinking we won't talk about tackles right now. But there's even some tack like mid tier tackles that could drop. Somebody's going to have to drop. Not the, not the tackles. The top four are going not top the ten. They're all going top ten. Hot take. That is a hot take. All right, where are we? Rager? Yeah, I said what I needed to say. Athlete, say what ball you skills. To say. say, I love that song. All right, next on my list is Jawan Jennings, 6'3", 215 pounds from Tennessee. Jawan Jennings in 2019. Well, for, first of all, first of all, if you click on his college, football, uh, college pro whatever reference page, you see that he's been playing since 2015. This dude found a way to finagle his way five years of college. Uh, God bless NCAA eligibility rules. They were all at Tennessee, by the way. He didn't even transfer. So 2019, 13 games, 59 catches, 969 yards, 16.4 yards per reception, and eight touchdowns. A lot of guys with eight touchdowns. So Jawan Jennings, my plus-plus category, big body receiver who has the ability to play to his size when the ball is in the air. Another guy who just doesn't wait for the ball to simply come to him. He adjusts two balls in the air pretty well. He's also impressive as a run blocker as well, and it's not just because he is a more physical and taller wide receiver that I am saying that. He actually is impressive as a run blocker. In my plus category, like I said, five years of experience at Tennessee. You can either look at that as a good thing or you can look at that as a bad thing. Now, he actually does have five years of experience. From literally his freshman year, he played 10 games. He has 14 receptions. He did miss 2017 with an injury, but every other season he played at least 10 games and he had at least 30 catches. So uh, every other year besides his freshman year. Um, So he does have experience. You can either view that as a good thing because he has the experience or a bad thing because he's a little bit older. Also on my plus category, he has an elite double move that worked like a charm every time. He is very, very difficult to bring down after the catch. This is probably the guy that I just smiled the most as I was watching him because he rumbles like a tight end but has the balance to stay up and sustain contact downfield. Impressive and fun to watch. Probably, no, not probably, I wrote probably. It definitely is the most noteworthy part of his game. Jennings was a dual threat quarterback coming out of high school, and he also has some impressive throws during his collegi- collegiate career as well on some sweeps and such. On my minus category, Russell Shepard. Russell Shepard. There you go. He played quarterback. To that wide receiver that we're not allowed to say his name. Uh, in my minus category, it takes a while for him to get up to speed, and overall, he's not going to be outrunning any defenders. Playing through contact on routes downfield is a concerning part of his game considering his size, but overall, quickness is his biggest issue, and can his pure physicality translate to the pro level? That's his biggest question. 
However, watching him with the ball in his hands is fun, and the big play potential with him either catching or even throwing the ball is a weapon a team would certainly love to have. Yeah, but he's slow as dirt, though. He is slow, but Bobby, it's so fun just to watch him in the open field. Bro, you are going so. so You're going against your your analytic um, roots. Don't get any guy who's slow. No, my no, my analytical roots is: can you break tackles, and can you, and can you get yards after contact after you catch the ball? Because then that tells me you can operate outside. You're you're telling me that you can operate outside of your scheme. That's what I said for tight ends, and I'm going to try to stay consistent with wide receivers as well. So there you go. That's that's my analytical mindset. (laughs) I'm just giving you a hard time. All right, next on my list is a guy I noticed last year, and I was like. I'm going to talk about him next year because he's fun to watch. And you want to know why I was watching him, Justin? Why? Because I was watching trash-ass Dwayne Haskins. And I saw Terry <laughs> McLaurin balling. I saw Terry McLaurin balling every game. I saw Paris Campbell getting like 180 yards after the catch per game. But then I seen this dude in the slot just hitting the seam, running every route on the route tree with good hands, finding holes in the zone. And his name is K.J. Hill. Out of Ohio State, six foot, one hundred ninety six pounds. He ran a four six forty and a thirty two and a half inch vertical jump, so not very good numbers of the combine. But my man, he finds the hole in the zone and he does it well. And like I said, he runs every route on the route tree and he does them all pretty well, especially those corner routes, which is the hardest, one of the harder routes to get separation on and to get that ball in your hands and keep your feet down on the sideline. He does a very good job of it. Um, he's really good with yak. Um, his scouting report says he's not, but he is. He gets he gets up the field and he 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 makes a cut and he goes. He's an extremely smart player. It's very clear how smart of a wide receiver he is. Now he's going to be a slot guy and he might go later. So he would have to probably be a later pick for the Giants and have to be that replacement for Tate um, in twenty twenty one. That would probably have to be the plan for him. Or if we have injuries like we did in twenty nineteen, that's where he could come in and, and get his shot. Two drops in a total of 75 targets, and in the 0 to 9-yard range, 22 receptions and 27 targets. So that's pretty It's pretty damn impressive. That's pretty damn high completion percentage right there. Sure hands, and eh, you, you, want, you want to see him add a little muscle mass or a 6-foot around 200 pounds? Is that good for you? That's fine for me, especially for a slot guy. That's fine for you? Oh, yeah, slot guy. You already said that. So, yeah, go K.J. Hill. Glad you performed well, uh, despite having a, a bad quarterback. Your in twenty. <laughs> Do you see the petty tweet I put out when he had that? Because remember the Dwayne Haskins game winning uh, drive against Penn State, where he was like he was either four for four or five for five, and it was like an eighty yard drive in a minute and a half. But literally, not one single pass went past the line of scrimmage. They were all screen passes, and so KJ Hill had the the game winner. And I did. Let me just find it because it was it was one of my better petty tweets. Okay, I like what Ohio State wide receiver KJ Hill does with the ball in his hands. In 2018, Ohio State couldn't trust their QB to throw the ball downfield on this game-winning drive, but KJ Hill single-handedly wins this game for the Buckeyes on a screen. I mean, that's some pretty good pettiness right there, ain't it? I was expecting a little better out of you. I just I didn't want to come a... out and be flat out like, "Hey, Dwayne Haskins, you suck." So it was just, it was like those very petty minded, like, like when Cody Latimer goes for the Redskins and I'm like, it never worked out here, but hopefully him and Kyle Allen can find a good connection. See that that's better. That's much better. That's like an 8.7. Meanwhile, your tweet last night was like a 6.2. Yeah. Well, whatever, dude. I'm not, I, I don't do it for your approval. So you, you win, you win some and you lose some. I, I get it. All right. Next on my list. I don't lose. Lynn. Whoa. Lynn Bowden. 5'11", 204. What? What are you saying to me? Bowden. It's actually, this is Bobby Bowden's son. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Bowden Bowden. Um, You know Bobby Bowden, uh, right? Let's, no, I don't. You don't know Bobby, oh my gosh. Listeners, roast Justin. You don't, you don't, you don't know Sean Landetta. Roast, roast Justin. Yeah. Sean Landetta wasn't the winningest coach of all of college football history. Roast him, listeners. Roast him. I didn't ask listeners to roast you after you don't know Sean Landetta. You, there was also all, you literally also did. You literally did. I did not. You you got that naturally. All right. Can I can I move on? Yeah. Can I can I can I go forth? 
All right. Just remember, There's a chance roast I may him. edit that entire thing out. No, uh, um, if you wrote, if you edit that out, I will legit be pissed off at you. All right, I won't. I won't. I promise. Lynn Bowden, 5'11", 204 pounds from the University of Kentucky. Or is it just Kentucky? I don't know. But in 2019, played 13 games, 185 rushing attempts, almost 1,500 rushing yards. Whoa, that's a lot. Averaged 7.9 yards per rushing attempt, and that's very high as well. 13 touchdowns. Now, in the receiving game, I also gave you his rushing numbers. Get get ready for this. Get ready for this season that he had. In the receiving game, 30 catches, 348 yards, averaged 11.6 yards per catch, and one receiving touchdown. Now, as a quarterback, 35 completions, 74 attempts for a modest uh, 50, like a 50 50% completion percentage, 5.4 yards per attempt, and three throwing touchdowns and three interception so Listen, i'm gonna be real i think this guy's gonna be a horrible qb well luckily for you and all other nfl teams uh lynn bowden will not be a quarterback so in my plus plus category he's one of this draft class's most versatile offensive players played as a wide receiver running back and quarterback all in 2019 and i already gave you his stat line but again i'll just emphasize it again 350 receiving yards 1400 rushing yards and 400 passing yards that's a lot of yards accounted for for just one man he started at qb this year and it ultimately helped kentucky one of the sec's smaller schools achieve bowl status it also earned him the paul Horn- hornung award as one of the nation's most outstanding all-purpose players clearly He has running back ability once the ball is in his hands. He had 48 broken tackles in 2019. Incredibly shifty. I trust him tremendously with the ball in his hands. In my plus category, he has experience even as a return man. I actually, what, how many all-purpose yards did this guy have? Because I should even find that out. Experience as a return man, and he is fearless in that role. The fact that he is so versatile tells me that he is also a smart football player and willing to do whatever is necessary for his team to be successful. He may have had a much more productive collegiate career as solely a running back or wide receiver, but he proved his worth at at not a natural position nevertheless. Therefore, I think play callers with a plan are really going to love this guy. Now, in my minus category, while coaches may have to scheme him into game plans, That is also a negative thing about him as well. He probably won't just naturally fit into an offense where you can just put him at one position and expect him to perform well. He's not the best route runner if we're talking about him as a wide receiver. He did have six drops in 57 targets as well. Overall, if you have the time, I hope you can watch Bowden's highlight tape because it's so fun to watch him do so many things. You sometimes need to rewind it to figure out if he was the one who ran it, caught it, or even threw the ball. I think he fits much better as a running back who has the ability to line up as a wide receiver. You can run sweeps with him. He can be dangerous when you put him in motion pre-snap, get him moving, get some momentum under his belt. I love his ability as a Swiss Army knife, even though wide receiver may not be his full-time position. But also shout out to you, Talking Giants listeners. This was one of the guys that you all told us to look at. I'm excited I looked at him. Even though he may not fully fit wide receiver, he's an exciting player. What round is he going? Could he be this year's Eric Dungy? I see him more now, not not as a not as a was it Tatum Hill, Taysom Hill, Taysom or whoever Hill. that guy is from Taysom Hill from New Orleans. He's not going to be throwing the ball. I mean, Taysom Hill doesn't throw the ball either. He's thrown it like seven times, and Pro Football Talk thinks he should be a starting quarterback. Um, anyways, Mike Florio sucking. So he is a, could is a, he, is a different topic for a different day. He could fit that role. Yeah, I was just playing. He's a guy that Joe Judge could get the most out of, though. So that that'll be cool. At least we're hoping Joe Judge could. All right, Justin. Last on my wide receiver list, and I decided I like to look at the Florida guys. I like to look at a Florida Gator, a Miami Hurricane, a UCF Knight, uh, a Florida State Seminole. Guys who you know. 10 years ago would have played for the most winning coach of all time and Bobby Bowden. But I went with the UCF wide receiver who's six foot two, 216 pounds, Gabriel Davis. I figured I'd stay with the big body guys. He ran a four, five, four combine. Um, he had a 35 inch vertical jump in 2019. He had 72 catches, uh, 1,241 yards and 12 touchdowns. So very good production. He had production every year, um, that he was playing. Now, this isn't on him, but UCF, I don't know what they were doing, and I'm not knocking it because they obviously have found something down there. 
Oh, I have a, a good lame joke, by the way. UCF is going to claim the 2020 uh, national championship because we're not going to have sports. They would, but they would line him up literally on the sideline, like not literally, but like if he took two steps to the left, he would be on the sideline. It was so weird. I felt like he was just getting wide receivers. Like, okay, just play inside leverage. Um, but nonetheless, he would, you know, he ran a lot of go routes. He doesn't really run the route tree, but he knows how to go up and get the ball. He and he uses his hands. He knows how to like he he will catch the ball as far away from his body as possible, which a lot of guys don't do. And he's got good strides once he beats the guy, but he does struggle a little bit at the line of scrimmage. You know, stuttering a little too much. Press will get him um, beat up a little bit. He wouldn't get any yards after catch. And something that I don't know, it, it, it's one of those things, Justin, that sometimes when you see something and you're like, that's bad, where it's so bad that you're like, okay, maybe this is maybe this is a scheme thing. Like, remember when Daniel Jones against Clemson floated the ball up five times and last year, and I'm like, I got to know what the deal is with that because he doesn't do that in any other game. Is that a scheme? Is that a scheme thing? Like, hey, these corners don't turn their heads, so just throw it up. That's going to be the first question you ask him if you ever interview him. In right? a real interview. Yes, in a real interview. If it's like a two-minute like phone interview, I won't ask him that. Cause I'll just if, if, if we're sitting down and talking, and we're going to do that one day, I promise you, we will have a sit-down interview with Daniel Jones one day. In fact, I'll probably turn down any interview until we can sit down with him. But <laughs> they would throw the ball to like the right side of the, of the field, and he'd be on the left, and he, just, he would just like jog. He would like take five jog steps, and it would be pass play. So I don't know... What it was, I don't know if it's an RPO kind of thing where it's you know one side of the field is the read. I don't know. It, it was it was definitely confusing. So Gabriel Davis, he's got good size, and you can't argue with the production. He is a guy that I could get behind drafting, but like unlike the rest of them, I wouldn't be excited about it. Low contested catch rate for a guy who's somewhat. I would I would say in today's NFL where you don't need a guy who's 6'5 on your roster to be successful anymore. 6'2 is a bigger wide receiver. We Cody Latimer was 6'2 and we consider Cody Latimer to be a we considered him to be a physical quote unquote physical wide receiver. So, yeah, um you covered it. Good job. Let's let's get Stay this last me. one done in 60 seconds or less. Let's do it. Okay. His name is Benjamin but we're calling him Ben. Ben Victor, 6'4", 198 pounds from another guy from Ohio State. In 2019, he played 12 games, 35 catches, 573 yards, 16.4 yards per catch, and six touchdowns in my plus-plus category. He has great size and long arms that span around 34 inches, which is very much above average, so therefore, he naturally has a higher catch radius than most wide receivers. Also, Long strides when he gets going past his third and fourth step. He is able to break tackles at a good rate as well. In my plus category, 10-yard split was in the 96th percentile, so as good get-off despite being 6'4". But as we move into my minus category, being 198 pounds is something he would need to change at the pro level. Definitely needs to add some more muscle mass to avoid press corners and being bullied at the line of scrimmage. Overall, I like Victor's upside as a player who may be taken in the fifth round or later. He was a big play and touchdown machine at Ohio State and is technically sound for where he's being projected to be drafted. And speeding! All right, that's a good one. He's, he's, a, he's a potential guy. Guy with potential. All right, we appreciate you guys. Appreciate you sticking in for this. Hey, listeners, you want to know something? One, make sure to roast Justin for not knowing who Bobby Bowden is. That's flat out disrespectful. But starting next week, three episodes, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you know you love it. And then after that, it's draft week, and that's another three episodes. We're going to be cranking stuff out, going to have some YouTube videos and stuff too. We appreciate you guys. Help us to get the 200 ratings and reviews, please. I, we, ha- we have like 20 times the listenership of what we have reviews. So give us a rating and review. We appreciate you guys, and we'll see you on Monday. Until then, let's go Big Blue.